1: You're talking to Prince You're talking to Beyoncé You're talking to Janelle Monet When you're talking to me You're talking to art You're talking to Sting You're talking to see, You're talking to Pharrell and Frank When you're talking to me You're talking to art I'm aware of the mess I make, y'all Yeah, 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 yeah I'm aware of the ego Take now, 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 now it's all a part of the show. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Truth is, I got a bit of both. Oh, oh. I wasn't born with the funk to fake, Now, no, 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 no. Fuck fanfare for the foes.
2: This is Master Grio Radio, channel 13 on your NBBTA internet radio dial. I'm Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and I am your host for this moment in time. It's time for Purpose Driven Words, shaping thoughts, building minds, true wealth, communities, and legacies.
1: If my words had wings,
3: they'd fly to you each day.
4: Will they clone little black girls who won't die, but fight? Will they clone little black girls who supplement stamina for endless struggles to write? Will they clone little black girls like Asada, Sonia, Tubman, knowing what they know? Will they clone little black girls like Nikki, Zora, Mommy, Grandma, who orchestrate transmutation as they go? under cloaks of duplicity and breeches staggering. Rhetorical, I know. Will they clone little black girls like Billy, Betty, Ida, Winnie, if it means ceasing myopic views of sturdy women, microscopic holograms chided with allegories, binding ties and mistruths to tortured souls? Will they clone little black girls with gnats, dreads, locks, lost eyes, and fantasy, far too black, regrettable, female, defeminized, fatal.
1: Ah, Will they
4: clone little black girls to be reminded of savagery, brutality, inequality, inequity, rape, and bartering amongst Nazi founders and forefathers? Will they clone little black girls like Sojourner, Rosa, Fannie Lou, Francis Ellen? Nexine, Angela, Oprah, who braved, notwithstanding ghettos, guns, gloom, doom, distracted and detracted mothers, mothering, who stayed unequivocally and persevered, erasing all doubt of concession, digression, misconception, and their wonder. With a clone little backer, like in Zinga, Hatshepsut or sect Hathor who share blood and legacy of queens naturally knowing that they know from where they come denomination, replication rebirth and regeneration will they clone little black girls with the integrity of legacy little black girls like me that won't die but fight will they clone little black girls I know that's right.
3: Odeline's Catering, Inc. offers
2: great food and desserts homemade to be delivered to your next event or celebration. You can choose to pick up or deliver. Book your next appointment today with Odeline's Catering, Inc. at 646-657-6640.
3: Let us bring taste to your next celebration.
2: Good evening, everyone. Welcome, welcome. This is your host, sweet friend, Sean, and we welcome you this evening on behalf of Master Grid, MBBTA Radio, your blog talk radio station. We are excited to be here this evening. We are produced by the lovely Jacqueline Adams-Teller, who's on the line and just going to make sure, Taylor Adams, I always do that, don't I, Jacqueline, um, who's on the line? You are listening to Beyond the Words with Sweet franchise. This is where we talk about spoken word and going beyond the performance of spoken word and where we talk about evolving and pushing the spoken word through and increasing the spoken word energy and industry. We want people to respect the spoken word. We want them to understand us as artists and want them, most importantly, to understand we are professional entertainers like everyone else and um, educators as well through our work. And we hope that you learn from listening to us that spoken word is moving beyond public service announcements and slams and even open mics. They're being used in commercials, creative entertainment and edutainment, campaigns, They're leveraging the Internet. We're galvanizing fan bases, and we want to talk to you about what do you see in the future of spoken word. So we ask, and if you are listening, please have everyone call in, all the people that you know, your spoken word artists, your poet friends. If you just like spoken word, if you're interested or want to get into spoken word, please give us a call. Or check us out online on Blog Talk Radio. To call in and listen is 646-716-7994. And we're going to take a quick break and open up the show with Chrisette Michelle's art from her EP, Lyricist Opus.
3: Opus. And we'll be right back. You're talking to Prince. You're talking to Beyonce, you're talking to Janelle Monet, when you're talking
1: to me You're talking to art You're talking to Sting, you're talking to Icy You're talking to Pharrell and Frank When you're talking to me, you're talking to art I'm aware of the mess I make, y'all Yeah, 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 yeah I'm aware of the ego It's all a part of the show Lake, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Truth is, I got a bit of both. Cause oh, oh. I wasn't born with the funk to fake, no. no, 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 no. Fuck fan for the foes.
2: Welcome, welcome back. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sweet Franchine, and you're listening to Beyond the Word. We welcome you. So just for those of you who don't know, we want to make sure that um, we let you know that we are here every first Monday of the month right here on Master Grid Radio on on your blog talk station every first Monday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Again, we're talking about beyond spoken word. We're talking about expanding and the various ways that the spoken word is expanding as an industry. And we are so excited, as always, that we have such phenomenal guests that we're able to share with. And I would like to welcome back to our show the phenomenal Lois Moses, who just had the hard-hitting drama. Um, (laughs) Excuse me, I have a little cold today. Um, say That He Had More Than A Dream that played September 30 through October 9th. <clears throat> My first world theater ensemble. Thank you so much. It was your world premiere. I heard, and I apologize. I end up having gigs. I, You know, I'm disappointed that I didn't make it. Um, I end up having gigs that I have forgotten about and a commitment, a family commitment. But I sent two people to go see it. I bought two tickets
3: for a couple of friends (laughs) to see
2: it yes and they said it was amazing like they told me they said sweet it's definitely something that i see why you sent us it was a birthday gift i said well i can't make it so Mm -hmm. i like the support so can you at least go on my behalf and they said it was absolutely phenomenal i think they went the last sunday um, that it played Um, i think that was the date we picked because that's when i wanted to go Oh, yeah, that was the (laughs) day. Yes, yes. So we want to hear all about it. I know that you use poetry in the play. I want to hear how you did that. And most importantly, this is what I heard. Now, I can only go by what I heard, and you tell me. heard you had the entire cast audience in tears. Tell me all about that with that closing piece as well.
5: And welcome, well, I will, mean, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. And thank you for having me back. Oh, I, I may appreciate it. It's absolutely incredible piece, uh, experience. And, you know, I guess I've sort of coined it as sort of a love sonnet to Dr. King. And the, well, I guess the starting with, it's it's really, I, it's sort of a, um, it, well, okay, let's just go back. What it does, ultimately, it's a conversation about going beyond uh, sort of the small, the, this is, and, and, you know, part of it is I'm still filled. But the bottom line is that this has been, this has been a country that has sort of deified him after he was demonized, terrorized, and, um, you know, before ultimately in the end deciding that he would speak up against something um, against the war, against racism, poverty, and militarism. And when he mm-hmm. made that decision, he knew that it would probably cost him his life because, um, you know, it was at that point, not only was it unacceptable, they expected him to stay within the realm of civil rights, but he was speaking uh, for a larger transformation for humanity. Um, yeah. And so, in the end, this is really a conversation about honoring the sacrifices that not only he made, but those in, particularly in the civil rights movement, who were willing to give everything, including their lives, for what they believed in. And Zahara McGill just brilliantly worked with my script and created this, um, this story between the narrator, which is my poetry, which is sort of an, uh, really a development of my own evolution and my voice, starting with, mm-hmm. you know, going to Dr. funeral, through literally in the end through law school and then becoming um, an activist in my word and deciding that I was going to speak authentically for my people and for my, for my truth. So let's,
2: let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Can I pause you one second? Absolutely. Let's talk about that because I'm in my part of my evolution as well, and it's really interesting to me because when I started this, um, journey, I came up with Peace, Love, and Poetry, because I really believe in universalism as that we could all come together, and I do, still do to some degree, but, you know, it's always resonated with me, and even more so about my people and being an advocate for my people, and I always have, and now that is being more expressive in our art. So can you tell those who are listening, share a little bit more about what that means to you and how you came to that point to decide to included in your art expression and what it does for you personally and professionally? Are there any sacrifices? I mean, I think there's some level of sacrifice in that, you know, um, when you
5: decide to do that. So can you share more? Well, I think that it's always been, um, I mean, my art has sort of just been the culmination of how of my, kind of my truth in my life, which has always been about speaking truth to power. I mean, starting Mm -hmm. With uh, being in a, a pretty politically active household, campaigning for, like I said before, Shirley Chisholm, um, marching against the Vietnam War, uh, you know, just so it's been, uh, you know, even in my art at at, um, at University of Pittsburgh, we had uh, marches for tenure for professors, you know, we did sit-ins at and poetry performance. Um, at um UCLA for not only professors but also for more um for more substantive work for African Americans. And so it's always been a part of my life. What the I guess the reason the poetry became sort of the center of it was because I found that as an artist the I wasn't getting the roles, nor was I going to do the roles that mm did not speak to not only my truth but also my reality in terms of my history. I found, wow. particularly in Los Angeles, there weren't roles written for African-American women So, and um, certainly not roles that I was uh, comfortable with. And I was not going to play a hoochie or a drug addict or, uh, you know, or a mammy. And not that there was anything wrong with those those women, but the problem was, there was no story connected with the circumstances of how they got there, why they were in those positions,
2: and mm-hmm.
5: what, you know, and what was to be done. Because one thing for me, poetry not only has this to do a problem, but it also has to provide some insight toward some kind of path beyond it or some education or some kind of change. So mm-hmm. for me, poetry was a natural sort of progression because I wasn't going to do what I didn't believe in, so I realized that I had to be the author of my own stories. And mm-hmm. um, that, you know, and I've been writing since I was um, six years old, and I'm a, I literally had a great aunt who was a published poet named Louise Moses. My father's a poet, so for me, this has been legacy, and I have my great-grandparents were activists and um, friends with Booker T. Washington started businesses, the whole, in terms of the community, educators, so and I even had a great aunt in L.A. who was a lobbyist for 50 years who was at the Voting Rights Act signing and the Civil Rights Act signing, marching on, literally marching up to the Capitol every day with the National Negro Council of Women. So for me, I feel I am not only accountable, but, you know, in terms of the legacy, I don't feel that I have a right to do anything less based on not only what they were willing to do, but also uh, – you know, the path that they cleared for me. So I I'm not only am I accountable, but, you know, I feel I'm responsible. Uh, I have to be responsible to not only the word but the legacy. So poetry for gotcha. me is activism truth-telling. There is no, yeah. I, you know, I can't negotiate, can't negotiate around that. And this piece has just sort of upped the game for me,
3: mm-hmm. which is
5: uh, an incredible place for me to be because I'm, You know, and and I think at a certain age when you begin to realize, you know, that um, there is no such thing as, you know, we talk about First Amendment rights, but with the level of hypocrisy and uh, what's going on, if you want to go all the way to the left, you know, to the right, maybe we can go, you know, we can go all the way to the left too. Mm -hmm. And that's where I am at this point, you know, I own it, as they say. Yeah, thanks.
2: I appreciate that because, again, I used to keep my so-called politics out of it, and then I realized that, you know, I've come to the point where I can't. It's a part of who I am. It's mm-hmm. a part of my belief system, my values. So in order to be fully authentic to myself, that I have to speak on those things that um, I have to speak on it. So I have to tell my stories as I know it. So, um, and in that... Because it's not you, know, you who? who? Exactly. You know You're right. Exactly. And... um you know, you lose some fan base, but at the end of the day, it's okay. exactly. <laughs>
3: well, okay, and you know okay. what I say to
5: that, um, sweet? I literally say, I know I'm not the one for everyone.
2: Yeah.
3: And
5: so, and so you plant your seeds, you t- and they either catch up with, um, you know, my prescription, or they'll find another way. But in the end, either we uh, sleepwalk or we wake.
4: And, That's right. Um,
5: Hopefully, you know, and I know my job is I'm trying to be um, an awakener. Was. <laughs> you know, that's the word I mean. But that's, that's my job. And also I have two nieces that, um, that who, who I have to be for them in mm. terms of not only creating a world but also creating an understanding of who they are. Because for one, for what, I under, what I understand is that it was way too long for me to really get the sense of the power and the contribution of African-American women. It, you know, substantively, I mean, I had to find that in undergrad, fortunately in a Black Studies program with Vernell Lilly and Rob Finney, and what I found was I was so angry because I didn't know. All of these incredible women, you know, the Sandy Lohamers, the writers, Toni Morrison, Sonia Sanchez, all of these warriors, mm-hmm. you know, the she were warriors, and, yes, and that there was something about that that really shifted and changed my whole understanding of myself and what you know and what within me that I could not only bring about but that I could use to um, to declare. In other words, I was, I could declare my my own understanding of myself that I could tell people who I was rather than living in a world where I was defined by stories and realities that did not not only make sense to me but did not represent who I was. And that's my job for those who are coming behind me. And so part of this, this piece that I'm writing is also for my nieces and for the younger generation because, for one thing, if, if nothing else that has come out in this, this piece, particularly for the younger generation, is to show them not only what they're not being told but also to show them the parallels because at one point Martin Luther King says, 100 years later, and the Negro still is not free. And that speech right. was done in 1963, mm. uh-uh. you know. So this is 2016. Most of the stuff that's in the play, we he could be saying now. Yeah, And that's frightening. Yes, it's very frightening.
2: It's sad and it's frightening. And it's that, you know, I don't know what kind of slumber um, we – we seem to be walking in but I'm I'm grateful for what you're sharing and your voice and your your guidance and leadership um and you carrying the torch. Uh it's just amazing. So tell us more about um I I want I want to dig beyond just tell me about the cast tell me about um if you're going to do it again. Um Tell me what's next with this because I heard that this needs to keep – I heard that it's not enough. We need to see this again. And how can wow. people help or support to make sure that it will be worth your time, energy, and money to do it again?
5: Well, that, all of that stuff, I mean, at this point, uh, Zahra and I are um, resting for a couple days <laughs> or a day or two. And, I mean, there's actually there's lots of buzz around not only bringing back Philadelphia – but um, you know, taking it on the road and having other opportunities. So you know, at this point, there's a great possibility that it will come back here, and also um, other venues. So right now, I mean, I the cast I can I could not have written a better script, and it speaks also to the talent that Zahara McGill has as a casting director, and also the honor and the respect that actors had for her because not only they showed up, the, uh, you know, I, I literally just finished watching the uh, the video of it and mm-hmm. because, you know, as an actor I don't get to see it because I'm backstage at the time and just blew me away. I feel so blessed to have the cast. And not only that, but the beautiful thing about it was how I watched not only the cast begin to own the characters, but also take on this energy that was, in some of the comments that I've seen them uh, share on Facebook, um, mm-hmm. I'm still humbled by and moved because in the end, it's a small amount of, because part of this play is not only to awaken, but also to push people to do their own research, to begin to educate mm-hmm. themselves and that 's what i 'm hearing not only not only to find out more about the spirit but also the world that you're living in to be become better and critical thinkers, but also to decide what you are going to do to the water is a testimony of those mm-hmm. african American warriors ancestors who jumped into the water named and unnamed, so yes. that we could have so that there could be room for our salvation. So in How the end... Help people it is,
2: understand that a little bit more, if you don't mind. We, I don't want to presume oh, that people know what that means. So can you... Oh, can you well, you
5: mean jumped into the, that whole kind of thing?
3: Well, Yes, that whole kind of
2: jumped into the water.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, jumped into the water is really a, uh, the theme of... Jumping into the water is, to go back, it's when you think of the Middle Passage, there were those men and women who jumped in the water, and which is really the supreme sacrifice when you are giving your life for something that's... And this is, this is my call, my interpretation of it, and the story that I'm telling. And I'm telling these, the stories about these ancestors who jumped overboard because as African people coming from the continent, there we, our understanding of the world, particularly our world, do, had to do with one, I mean, we, you know, we have obviously the supreme being, but we also have ancestors, which is sort of another realm of connection. When we leave here,
3: mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm.
5: we move into this space in which there is an ability to access and communicate with spirits and energy. And so yes. part of this story is those who jumped overboard, jumped overboard knowingly because of their vision and understanding of what they were moving towards. Which you know is not a far stretch when you're laid out on a boat like that, and you're laid, you mm-hmm. knew that where you were going couldn't it couldn't get any better certainly, and how could it get worse? So yeah. in making that supreme sacrifice, it is of the highest courage that they did that in terms of giving their lives for us, so that they could be a conduit for us to understand not only once we got here to remind us of who we were, where we came from, but also to help us through and guide us through you know, supporting the resistance and also that our uh, continued push toward freedom and liberation. So the jumped into the water is also thematic in the sense that any, any of us who step up to take a stand for what is best and what in our community to liberate our community, I mean, par and course, Nat Turner jumped into the yeah. water. You know Jump what I'm into the water, um, yes, Sammy, Absolutely, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, jumps, you know, on and on. So, and the enslaved ancestors, they jumped into the water. So yes. that's what it's about. It's honoring those people who were willing to put their lives on the line for the rest of us and for something better, something more. Something so more. So that, and so I it theme. And that's what. Yes. Uh, so for me that is, but it started with these specific ancestors who began to talk to me about that because, and, and the essence of this piece is that we've been told, because we allow other people to narrate our realities, we were told that mm-hmm. those people who jumped overboard committed suicide. And so <laughs> in, in a two-year, this poem took two years to write, and mm-hmm. um, it literally finished itself when I was on a plantation in wow. Virginia. So, and I heard, I mean, they literally came through me. But what I began to understand was they, they did not commit suicide. What they did was, and if you think about water, you think about water in, in African traditions, particularly Yoruba, water is the signif- is Yemenya, which is a signification of new birth, rebirth, and also the mother. So yeah. literally jumping back to be reborn, to become ancestors, so that they could literally guide us back. To right. and inform them. Yeah. So, yes. so it's so honoring them, and for me, it's the supreme sacrifice which takes the utmost courage. And and that's my story of it because I honor them. I mean, suicide is not only too limited, but it's absolutely inauthentic based on what they did and what they were willing to do. You talk about resistance. I mean, that's resistance par excellence. Yes
2: everybody who's just tuning in you are listening to the poet the actress the playwright the lawyer the therapist the filmmaker (laughs) the phenomenal superwoman herself lord moses and we are so excited she has come off of a run of her play um I'm just so – it's like I have some – I, I always got to calm down when I talk to you. <laughs> you said, <laughs> was, you said wrong, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's saying that he had more than a dream. And um, it was directed by um, – I always tell me. Zahara, Zahara McGill. Zahara <laughs> yeah. McGill. Zahara McGill. And um, it, we are so excited that it may come back to Philadelphia and it may even travel. And we are – just giving thanks for the story and her insight, that, uh, especially about the jumping in the water. I just love that you expounded upon that for us, and I thank you. I know we have a couple of poems in line. If you'd like to join us, we're going to take a, a break and listen to one of Ms. Moses' pieces today, her poetry pieces. Um, and if you'd like to speak to her or me or have any questions or comments, please, when we come back from the break, break just press one and we'll be glad to speak with you. We thank you for listening. You are speaking, you are listening to Beyond the Word with Sweet Friend Shawn produced by the beautiful, the talented, the lovely Jacqueline Taylor Adams. So we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll
3: be right back.
4: Will they clone little black girls who won't die, but fight? Will they clone little black girls who supplement stamina for endless struggles to write? Will they clone little black girls like Asada, Sonia, Tubman, knowing what they know? Will they clone little black girls like Nikki, Zora, Mommy, Grandma, who orchestrate transmutation as they go? under cloaks of duplicity and breeches staggering. Rhetorical, I know. Will they clone little black girls like Billy, Betty, Ida, Winnie, if it means ceasing myopic views of sturdy women, microscopic holograms chided with allegories, binding ties and truth to tortured souls? Will they clone little black girls with gnats, dreads, locks, Lost eyes and fantasy, far too black, regrettable, female, defeminized, stable. Ah, will they clone little black girls to be reminded of savagery, brutality, inequality, inequity, rape, and bartering amongst Nazi founders and forefathers? Will they clone little black girls like Sojourner, Rosa, Fannie Lou, Frances Ellen? Maxine, Angela, Oprah, who braved notwithstanding ghettos, guns, gloom, doom, distracted and detracted, mother, mothering, who stayed unequivocally and persevered, erasing all doubt of concession, digression, misconception, and their wonder. With a clone little backwards, like in Zinga, Hatshepsut? Or Saint Hothor Who share blood and legacy Of queens Naturally knowing that they know From where they come Denomination, replication, rebirth And regeneration Will they clone little black girls With the integrity Of legacy Little black girls like me That won't die But fight Will they clone little black girls I know that's right. hey, everybody. It's
2: sweet friend sound we are the World Cafe Live. We are so excited about October 14th, the Delaware Black Awards. I am your co-host and executive producer. I hope to see you there. I'm
1: going to let you talk to the other hosts in the building. A million?
4: Next move, best move, is a million of poets. And you just saw the Queen's sweet friend Sean, but look where we at. World Cafe Live at the Queen. I want y'all to join me October 14th at 8 p.m. for the Delaware Black Awards.
2: The Delaware Black Awards, 2016. We are back. Brought to you by DelawareBlack.com and yours truly, Sweet Franchon.
4: Hosted by Sweet Franchon and yours truly, A Million of Poets. And we need you to join us. October 14th, 8 p.m. We're back here at the World F.A. Live. Here to honor our top artists, business owners, organizations,
2: all your favorites in Delaware. And don't forget, it's going to be a night of entertainment excellence. We're going to have a good time with...
4: We're going to have a live band, DJ, and special performances. Make sure you join us.
2: Only for $25, a night of excellence. Look good, feel good, because we're going to be all good.
6: Well, Cafe Loud, you
2: ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening to Beyond the Pogore. Yes, I am C. French, and you just heard that we are, I am the host and executive producer uh, of the Delaware Black Awards, and we are so glad that that's happening this Friday. We hope you can join us. But i just like to say you just listened to before the commercial break. We have Lois Moses, who just, we just listened to, was a calm little black girl, and I want to tell you, I made sure that I was cloning my ancestors because I named, well, Sister Asaka is not an ancestor yet, thank God, but I, my daughter's name is Asaka. I named her Asaka. And my granddaughter's name is Dora, after Dornell Hurston. So I'm so glad to hear them mentioned in your poem. (laughs) So that is (laughs) always exciting, always exciting. because I knew it was important that they had names of strength, and mm. I'll tell you when I tell you though that pe- everyone, you should be very naming our children is an important, important, important part of this um, mm. life. It's important, and Absolutely. I am so grateful that without having any family to teach me that that uh, divine wisdom blessed me to know that it was important. And when I tell you my, they are all of that.
3: <laughs> all of
2: this.
5: Absolutely.
2: My children live in, too. Yes. Yeah, they live
5: in,
6: too. My you mean, you
2: know. quiet and uh, resilient and a strong fighter, just like a softest. And wow. my granddaughter, when I tell you full of fire and fight and
3: <laughs> let, love
2: words and music like Zora and like to shake her fancy wow. and Sassy as she can be, I'm telling you. I said, well, I knew, mm. I know that to be true. And sometimes I just go, all right, Sister Zora, knowing that, you know, what mm-hmm. you trying to tell me to this little person right here, you know. So those things are so important. So, um, thank you for that. That's an amazing comment. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I understand yes. we have a caller, um, that's on the line. Hi, how are you? You're you're on the line now.
6: Oh, I just wanted to say that I, I just love Lois Moses. I love the work she's doing. I love the work she's done in the past. This is Bernard Collins. And, oh, uh, Bernard. Oh,
5: my God. Back at you, brother.
6: Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I've been just admiring your work and your tenacity and your um, brilliance for years. Um, and uh, I just want to put it just like the work speaks for itself. Um, I'm always amazed. And, uh, and And I think it's. Good to know that you're out here encouraging this next the 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 poet poets out here to see that there's another level, there's another step, there's another uh direction you can you can you can go with the work. I love the way you're expanding it, you know, so I just wanted to put that out there because uh I love it. I love you and I love the work well, you do. And
5: Bernard is back at you and folks know that this was one of the poets Whereas we were, oh my God, we were out there together for a long time, and he is also the, he has the amazing gift that I wish that God had put on my head, the gift of telling the stories through his hands and through the visual medium, which is, if you haven't seen his work, profound, profound, the statement, uh, I mean, not only the craftsmanship, but also the power of the statement and how he finds not only the he finds the multitude of the beauty inside, the pain and the beauty outside. It's it's. I mean, Bernard, I'm always on your site. I'm telling you, looking oh, for wow. your pictures. Thank oh, you, my so God. Much. Thank you so much. Please, yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping that maybe we can get together at some point, and I can do use some of your pictures in my in my piece. <laughs> in oh, <a> yeah. piece. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Cool. Oh, we will yes. be in touch, you uh, know,
6: because I've been so, thinking about that in terms of the conversation. Oh, I love it, it and we've spoke spoken into existence. So, so ladies and gentlemen, it's going to happen. Absolutely, so like, yeah, yes, <laughs> it's going to happen. Well, peace <laughs> and blessings. I just want to put that positive energy out there to you, um, and to the audience, and just you know appreciate what you have, what we have, and the artists are right in front of you. That's all I wanted to say in general. Just appreciate the talent while it's here. You know, yeah. um, so many artists have passed on. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I see an artist like Prince, and you see it, and, and And what's fascinating to me is not the, the brilliant music that he put together. is the philanthropic work that he's doing.
5: Thank you.
6: The and causes that he, yeah. he believed in. I'm looking at him saying, you know what? There was something going on with this guy. And, and somebody <laughs> that you could, you know, you could get behind. But in so, the sad, the scary part, too, what, what, and this is actually the case
5: for quite a few people who are, seem to be disappearing. And so, and, you know, and Prince, even Vangelin, talks about the fact that he kept that quiet. Because, you know, there is something about when, uh, when those who have access to not only the public but also finances begin to do things, real substantive, activist yeah. things. That they become a little uh, dangerous and scary. So, and that's why, in the end, there's a piece where Stokely talks about in the play that we have to protect our leaders. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? and there's something about that because I do believe that because of the level of isolation, and that's one thing I try to show in this play because of the level of isolation and the fact that not only the, we know the European community denounced and, and him the, and the government, but the African people. Not only denounced him, but isolated him, and actually created an environment where this could actually happen. And he was not only uh, depressed and oppressed, but also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? So, and I think that you you make an incredible point, and we have to begin to uh, really think about that as we, um, you know, as we begin to move with the people. How are we going to support mm-hmm. and protect those people? That are not only willing to stand up or willing to, um, you know, put up. Like Sophie says, if you ain't doing nothing, shut up. That's right. right.
2: That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, social media got a lot of people talking and ain't doing nothing. So, but before we go on, let's brother Bernard, welcome. How are you? Thank you for calling in. Can you please (laughs) tell our listeners who you are, since we're having this great conversation and everybody may not know who they're
6: talking. Oh sure. well, my name is Bernard Collins. I've been in the poetry scene doing poetry for uh, um, I don't know a lot of years. I'll just put it as a lot of years. But um, <laughs> but I've been blessed to uh, to um, to share my work on uh, several stages in uh, Philadelphia and uh, New York and um, you know and beyond. Um, and uh, also a visual artist uh, currently um, on exhibit at the Painted Bride. For the Bombay Sapphire exhibit yes. that's connected mm-hmm. with Miami Basel, so mm-hmm. it's like if you you know we put it in, it's like a journey show, but you know, but I mean, there was some amazing, amazing artists. I mean, I met a brother from Brazil that was incredible. Mm-hmm. There was a brother from DC uh, that's incredible. I posted some stuff on my site on um, my Facebook uh, site. Um and, but um if you check out Bombay Sapphire you can see uh their um artisan series, you can see the work posted online. If you uh get the chance to go to entertained bride physically, which is to me the best way to do it, um, you can really get a feel for what the work uh really looks like and feels like. So so I'm I'm here and I'm and, and I'm around. So um is that good? Yes, that's awesome. Wow. That's great. Hey, oh, Thank you beautiful. so much
2: for sharing it. Now I know um, that one of the things that Jacqueline wanted us to just talk about. I'll, I'm not. I don't really participate in any, any contests. Do Do either of you um, find there any value in poets or playwrights or anything participating in national and international contests? If so do you have any experience in it, and what are your thoughts? And Bernard, just so you know, you got a little bit of static on your on your
6: um phone. Oh, Let me see if I can move to a little okay. bit of a distance. My phone okay. on my cell phone, so yeah. All right. step in here. Make it how's this a little bit better?
2: Just a little bit, yeah. We're fine. We make it work. Let's yeah, that's okay. fine. We yeah. mm-hmm.
5: go
6: ahead, Bernard. You can start. Yeah. Um, so um, so yeah. So what I wanted to say is um. As far as for uh, contests and competitions, um, I think there's value in it. Um, I think there's value in it, um, only because um it's an experience. Uh it's a step uh it gives you a chance to sort of put some work out there and um not necessarily the judging aspect of it. Um the judging aspect can be kind of hopey but um the hardest thing for artists to do at times is just to get out there in front of the public. And um, any mm-hmm. excuse to get yourself out there in front of the public and let them know that you're making work is, uh you know, stands to, uh, you say a benefit from it, but it's more your own benefit. I mean, you know, you'll win a slam, you win, you're not going to become a millionaire off of winning slams. Right. You know? um, but what you can gain is the courage um, and, and the ability to sort of find your own works. Um and it doesn't necessarily have to be in that thing, but I think it's just one excuse to really show your work. But I mean, you know, other people might feel different. So.
4: I,
5: I um, for me, I don't do. I, I've never done slams, and um, and I think because well, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess part of it is that. For me, poetry, I mean, I understand what Bernard's talking about in terms of exposure and so on, but I Mm -hmm. never did, you know, for me, poetry was never about, as an actress, I wanted to get work and I wanted to, you know, be able to work and support myself, but then I realized that, um, you know, my work was about my, was really about my voice. It was about my activism, it was about what I believed in, it was about my truth telling so... And that's why I went to law school. That's why I did other things because I was looking for mm-hmm. other ways that I could support myself, so
3: that right. I could
5: be, be, you know, what I'm saying, be authentic with my word, and also uh, uh, be willing to say what it is that uh, that I believe in. So for me, slams were never because uh, it, it wasn't about being judged. I wasn't trying. It, it was, I, you know, I wasn't concerned with what I was the best or what, what I or. I wasn't trying to compare myself to anyone. I was trying to tell mm-hmm. my truth and do the work. Right. Because, you know, I mean, I've been studying my art and writing for a, a long time. So I feel right. confident in my work. But my work was really about... Um, you know, creating a space, and also being in the community. Look, for us, it wasn't, you know, that slam wasn't a big thing when we were out. You know, when Bernard mm-hmm. and I were out and, out and the thing, it wasn't a big thing. And I do understand people mm-hmm. have used it for platforms, which is great. Mm-hmm. But for yeah. us, we were really poet warriors. We were out there trying to yeah. preach the word, and right, right. we had a, sort of a collective community. And so for mm-hmm. me, it it was part of my activism. Right. right. And, so, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, so this is another generation around this kind of slam idea, which I think is also connected with living in a, 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 a world that kind of creates a whole lot of noise and distraction as opposed right. to, so it becomes about the slam rather than necessarily the word. Right. Go
4: ahead.
5: No, go ahead. And
6: yeah, also, well, I was going to say is, uh, um, I'm sorry, I, I to, cut you, sorry to cut you off. Well, uh, no. uh, you know, I'm coming from. My perspective of the poetry slam and the whole poetry thing is I like sort of doing your it, i think it was be, it might have been because of when when I was doing um poetry and doing most of that kind of that kind of um you know experience i mean um cause, I mean funny like fifteen years ago let's say fifteen years ago. You could go into a you would go into a bar and you would share work or you would go into a venue and you would share work and you would speak about whatever you wanted to speak about. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't any prescribed formula for success. Mm-hmm. But I think what's sort of the danger of it is um, is that there's certain like you can figure out a formula that you see somebody else doing and then you start to imitate things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, um, my, mm-hmm. you know, I remember going to the New Year and seeing a young you know, I asked a poet, the young poet and she was um she she was reading poetry and you know, and she's very but I asked her who she read. What poets do you like? And she didn't even have an idea of what I was I gonna say, she couldn't even tell right. you. Right, she didn't That's have an right. idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. she and, and I didn't get judging on it, but I said, Wow, and I, you know, I was like, Well you know you know, Nicky Giovanni and Sonia Sanchez. and, you know, uh, Amir Baraka and, you know, um, you know Robert Frost. <laughs> you know, there are poets out here who this before you. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. hmm yeah. So, I mean, yeah. there's so many poets. It's just like a wealth of river and ocean of, of poetry that you can right. sort of take a swim in. But if right. your frame of reference is narcissistic, Whereas that the only thing you're focused on is how far you can get with your performance without actually finding out what poetry actually is and what it's about. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, some of the messages that people have tried to convey, um, you know, I think you, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to find yourself very shallow and, and yeah. really you're going to stop doing? you know, or
3: you're
6: going to, yeah. you're going to lose interest, you know. Right. So, well, I'm just, a, but, you know, I just want to encourage everybody mm-hmm.
2: But be very careful I mean there are a lot of very good um, and, and and good And what uh, incredible Contests out there um, uh-huh. One is you can find some good You can find a good source of
3: resources
2: Realisticpoetry.com Realisticpoetry.com um, yeah. That's a good one, and I think um, one was shortstack.com. There are a few credible ones, but be very careful because you get a lot of people that want to post you, put in these so-called anthologies, and then they want you to pay hundreds of dollars to be Um, public in them, Mm -hmm. so be careful about those type of contests. Um, But I will say this, that like you guys, I guess we all are creators, and we, we couldn't necessarily uh, find the things that we w- we wanted to use as a platform to share our voice. So we've all created our own. And um, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what we have.
2: And we've all created our own because, again, I was never a slam poet either. And then what tends what, what to happen is I'll never forget I had a DJ who told me I wasn't really a poet. I said, then you know nothing about the history of poetry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because boo boo, I carry on a traditional style. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of what some people believe about just carrying on any type of African or Black traditions that all other cultures carry on traditions and it's okay. But when we do it, we're you know it's seen as oh, well, you just you don't you don't know what you're doing anymore. You need to catch up with the times. But it's a very right. important thing to hold on to, little you know, right, right, uh, right. our culture the best way we can and, and ver- in various ways. But, you know, we cannot be fooled as black folk um, that our holding on to tradition and culture is not important. Um, right. Oh um, well, And remember, water us down. Microwave culture. Oh.
5: Go ahead. You said microwave culture.
2: culture? Well, well, we a and also, You're popping in. Mm.
5: Well, also remember. I'm sorry, that, one at a
2: time. Well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I don't know who was okay. speaking, no, or maybe I was, I was just. just Here. Uh, go ahead. I've
3: been right. on oh, oh,
6: Well, I was going to say it's a microwave culture. It's interesting because everything is instant. So, you, you know, you look at a poet, and you might look at a poet and you see him featured, right? Um, he's come to town, or she's come to town, and you know, and, and sharing this work. Or, but what you see is that moment, because you see it, in, but you think you can get it instantly, you know, and that's a misconception that I think it, it goes with our, with our whole society. When you can become an instant singer. You can become an instant rapper. You can become an instant, I don't know, exercise. Group. You could be a YouTube star. Um, but what we're talking about when we talk about the traditions of poetry is we're talking about years and decades and centuries of wow. work of, of of tradition, oral tradition. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I had a I taught a, a poetry workshop at the art church, um, um at let's say City Third and Webster It's a good organization. But they brought me in to teach a um, a poetry workshop and I talked about the toast, you know, the tradition of the toast um Shine the Signifying Monkey, it goes that type of thing, and mm-hmm. the um, attendants of the uh, workshop, the participants in the workshop, they mm-hmm. were, like, thrilled. I mean, they touched a piece of this, and I'm like, this hey, Winston Hughes wrote about the Signifying Monkey before Dolomite and Ruby Ray Moore decided to do it on party records. Right, right. You know, and, and you have recordings of that back in 1942. There's a you know, so you you can trace the history of uh you know, you know, the of um of of the oral tradition. So I think it's important that we sort of like do break away from microwave culture and get back into the you know, get into like tap into to, to our um our roots. So I'm sorry to me to go on, but Yeah, know. thank you for that. Thank well, you
2: for that. Mr. Lois, well, what are your
5: thoughts? Yeah. Well, my thought, this is there's a book called In A Defense of Poetry, written by uh, basically um, Percy B. Shelley, and he talks about, this is a, actually a quote that I use really for an understanding of poetry, and he basically says that poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. And so, oh. and he says basically that poets introduce and maintain morality from mores so created or codified into laws the social function or utility of poets is that they create and maintain the norms and more mores of society. And basically hey. what's important to me about, and that's why I say, and I, this, I don't have any feeling or anything negative about plants. My concern is that we are as poets who are really, I, I mean, we, our job is to question, you know what I'm saying? To question critically what's going on and to use language and poetry to Mm -hmm. not only ask the right questions, but to, um, you know, to bring light to things that are out of balance. And so So, and this is my concern when you talk about, um, you know, one, that that young people aren't studying. Because quite frankly, poetry comes out of one's critical dialogue and and need to speak, not just um, wanting, but you, you know what I'm saying? That's why... Yeah. I mean, it's that need. It's, it's because you have to say something about what it is. It's because you have to define something. You have to in, in, enlighten someone. You have to illuminate something. And so that's right. my concern is that the slam, oftentimes, the slam sort of culture has brought more emphasis to the performance as opposed to the word. So we're right. sitting there waiting to see how jamming and how boom, boom, someone is. As opposed to, and not, not always, because there are a lot of great performance poets in this land that are doing incredible work. So this is mm-hmm. not, but this, those are, that's what I don't, I don't want that to get lost in this kind of concept right. of its competition. Because poetry is a competition. Poetry is
3: truth. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, there so. you
1: have
5: it. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> I,
2: I really think that's an awesome place to land. Okay, Mm -hmm. true. You know, I think that's (laughs) an awesome place to land. And as you know, Sister Lois Moses is telling her truth um, by using poetry and plays and as a form of advocacy and historical um, storytelling, really. And Mm And Brother Bernard Collins was with us also today. And Brother Bernard, so before we disconnect, before we say goodnight, because this hour goes bad when I'm talking to either one of you. <laughs> it never <laughs> goes this bad. I'm just looking at the clock like it's not five o'clock yet, and I'm getting the cue like it's after 10. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so uh, you know, first, so before we. Um, Say good night, everyone. Please tell the listeners who you are once again, how we can support you, or how we can find you online, so that we can keep up with your projects and tell us your next project. Oh, uh, sure.
5: uh, hey, yeah. oh I my my website is my name, Lois Moses. W dot com or just dot com. I will be doing a reading at. Robin's Bookstore on the 14th, hopefully debuting um, a new book, and um, and I'm to be working with Zahara McGill over at uh, the at First Person Arts, and I think that's November 9th, but I'm not sure. But all of this will be on my website, LoisMoses.com. and look for listen out to say that he had more than a dream somewhere in the theater than you. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. All
6: right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um in uh, Yes. Um well currently i uh, my uh, work is on exhibit and uh the painted pride. I have a painting on exhibit called Two Queens. Um you can vote for it on uh, the um Bombay Sapphire dot com and series website. Um so um you know all the paintings are being voted on, that type of deal. Um but um, aside from that, um, I'm putting an, an exhibit up. It's going to be for um, The Collective out of um, on Old York Road. Uh, the Collective, a great company of poets, got together, bought a spot, independent, <laughs> you know, doing their own thing.
1: Awesome. Um, Huge. I've,
6: um, yes. So um, I've featured down there, but um, this at the end of this month, on the 28th, I believe, I'm going to be putting up an exhibit, um, and of course, they can't if they don't if they don't tie me down. I'm going to do some poetry as well. Um, um, by tie me down, meaning like physically tie me down and put a gag in my mouth, because I'm going to be I don't know if I can hold back the energy. Um, wow. So on the 28th, I'm going to be uh, putting up an exhibit of, uh, of, um, of paintings. So I have the exhibit of paintings, and um, I'll be sharing. Also, um, BernardCollinsJr.com. dot com. Collins, Jr. Dot com. That's my website. And you can always look me up on Facebook. Um, I, I often post um, some of the visual work on Facebook as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, yes. both
2: of you, for joining us tonight. And, you know, you're welcome anytime, anytime. We are doing Beyond the Spoken Word every first Monday of the month right here on mm-hmm. Master 3 Black Talk Radio. I'm your host, Sweet franchise Times, but S-U-I-P-E. F-R-A-N-C-H-O-N. You can find me also on all your social media, literally all of them. Um, particularly, i like to ask that you visit me on SoundCloud and let me know what you think of my latest single, Lover's Conversation. And I don't know if we have filled the Dreams on there, but we're closing with one of my poems in my upcoming EP called "Fill the Dreams. And on behalf of Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and all the family here at Master Greer Radio. We thank you so much for listening. We thank our guests specifically for your time, energy, and most importantly, what you give to us in the form of spoken word. Thank you so much. We're honored that you were with us tonight. For everyone else, I wish you peace, love, and poetry, and uh, we look forward to sharing with you more. Peace and light, everybody.
5: Peace and light.
6: Take care.
3: Before
2: you, I was playing the game of pieces. Pieces of men danced around the field of loneliness. Scattered pieces of defeat and brokenness. You blew in like a gentle breeze and scattered the remnants of those that turned out to be narcissistic and unbalanced. You brought with you sweet, sweet music keeping rhythms of my heart's drum beat, calming my emotions with a consistent baseline of straightforwardness and honesty, holding my hands to guide me out of the cluttered confusion of cheaters, liars, and emotional immaturity, seeking me, seeing me, knowing me in a natural way. So relieved, I, I grabbed your hand, anxious to dive into the unknown, ready to do something different. I followed the drums, the familiar rhythm that agrees to my own heart's longing, held on to the bassline and its anchoring of the harmonic framework yet to come. See, felt the melody of the keyboard that tickled to my stomach with the excitement of things to
1: become.
2: And I decided immediately to dance with you, into the unknown and risky business of love, letting my soul lead as it tunes itself to the music of possibilities and hopefulness, finally leaving behind broken pieces of men. Behold, stands a whole man that is leading the dance into a field of dreams.